Hey everybody, it's uh, Thomas Whiting from Miracle Medical Center. Uh, In-service training exam is just around the corner, and so I wanted to go over some high-yield topics. Today I wanted to talk about the differences between a couple of the hyperthermic and agitated patient. Uh, I kind of got interested in this because I've had a couple of patients that fell into this category, and we started having some pretty good discussions about the differences between neuroleptic malignant syndrome and serotonin syndrome and some of the other hyperthermic agitated patients that we should be aware of and that you could be tested on in your in-service training exam. So to start out with, let's talk a little bit about malignant hyperthermia. So malignant hyperthermia is a pretty rare condition uh, that has to do with some variations of the renanidine receptors. Not sure if they'll test that or not on in-service, but something to be aware of. Uh, and basically this is why when you are on your anesthesia rotation, you ask all the patients, uh, have you ever had any family members that had any adverse reactions uh, to anesthesia? Because that's basically what it'll be. Someone, if they have a family history of it, they have a higher probability of having it. And so they would not use uh, succinylcholine. And that's basically what happens. You give them sucks, they have this altered receptor and they become tachycardic. Uh, hypercarbic, uh, retaining right muscle rigidity, uh, and then they become uh, hyperthermic. So the treatment for hyper, uh, malignant hyperthermia is dantrolene. Uh, just real quick to go through the dosing, I don't expect you to remember this as I don't, and I would probably have to look this up if ever I was to give dantrolene, but it's 2.5 milligrams per kilogram given IV, uh, preferably through a large bore IV. Um, you can continue to give those doses, so 2.5 milligrams per kilogram IV. Uh, it doesn't give any sort of like time frame between them, so it's just 2.5 mg per kg, and you repeat that dose until either they improve or you reach 10 mg uh, per kg. Although there are some studies, or case reports I should say, where they had to give up to 30 milligrams per kilogram uh, before they finally saw the uh, dantrolene take effect and actually abate the symptoms. But that's that's what you'll find typically in the books is uh, 2.5 mg per kg repeated until you reach 10 mg per kg or until their symptoms improve. And then a follow-up to that is uh, once you've kind of managed the crisis, you're going to start them on uh, a 1 mg per kg every 4 hours dosing for 24 hours to make sure that the uh, symptoms don't redevelop. So that's malignant hyperthermia. Uh, the next one that we're going to talk about is neuroleptic malignant syndrome. And after that, we're going to talk about serotonin syndrome. So these are the two that can get quite confusing. Uh, and we're going to touch base again. We're going to go through all of these and kind of what you see uh, and some other uh, hyperthermic patients as well, because uh, there's a lot of them and they can be confusing, especially on tests. So we're going to go over kind of what the biz buzz words are, what you should be looking for. So in a neuroleptic malignant syndrome, if it's going to be a question, it's going to be a patient that they directly say is taking antipsychotics, uh, or they're going to say like this patient has a history of schizophrenia or something, and you have to infer from that that they're probably on an antipsychotic, because that's what usually causes this. Um, so the interesting thing about this is even uh, it's very rare, it's idiosyncratic, and it can persist up to two weeks even after you discontinue the medications. So what do you usually see with uh, NMS? 
basically, there's some differing criteria depending on kind of who you read, what you read, and uh, what society's uh, journal that you're reading. But usually, it's they have to be febrile, so above 100.4. They have muscle rigidity and one of a couple of different things. And like I said, the criteria can vary, but usually either diaphoretic leukocytosis, altered mental status, uh, elevated creatinine, uh, kind of, sorry, elevated CK, um, autonomic instability, tachycardia, tremor, incontinence, dysphagia, or mutism. So depending on who you ask, uh, it's basically they're febrile, they're rigid, uh, and they are kind of wonky in some other way. So what do we do with NMS? Really, all we do is we say we take away the antipsychotic and provide supportive care. And so what is supportive care? Fluids and benzodiazepines. They actually recommend against using things like dantrolene, amanadine, and bromocryptine in these patients. Um, so basically, it's take away the offending drug, give them fluids, give them benzos to calm them down, keep them cool. Uh, don't let them go into floric rhabdo because they're going nuts uh, and very rigid. And basically, other than that, like I said, it can take up to two weeks for the symptoms to completely abate, so they can need monitoring for quite a while. Obviously, from the emergency department, you admit these patients to the hospital. So, last but not least, we're going to talk quick about serotonin syndrome. So, like we talked about with NMS, neuroleptic malignant syndrome, you're thinking of the patient taking the antipsychotic. With serotonin syndrome, uh, usually the biz buzz will be either they'll tell you the patient is taking an SSRI or a... Uh, uh, a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, MAOI, uh, which are very rare these days. No one actually takes them except on, you know, boards and whatnot. Or they'll give you a patient that has a history of depression, right? And you have to kind of infer from that that the patient is on an SSRI uh, and may have attempted to take their own life and overdose on it, et cetera, et cetera. So what do you see with serotonin syndrome? Usually it's altered mental status, autonomic instability, so hyperthermia, tachycardia, diaphoresis, etc. Neuromuscular abnormalities, so myoclonus, ocular clonus, rigidity, hyperreflexia, and tremor. Sounds kind of similar to neuroleptic malignancy syndrome, right? So that's why these two can be confusing, specifically in the clinical aspect. I think on the, on the test, uh, there will be other cues that will key you in. But specifically in the clinical setting, it can be pretty difficult to... Um, differentiate between these two and we'll talk a little in a, we'll come back to how exactly you can do that uh, but basically the way that you diagnose it is this is a patient taking a serotonergic agent and usually one of the following either spontaneous clonus um, or inducible clonus with agitation or diaphoresis or ocular clonus with agitation or diaphoresis or tremor and hyperreflexia or hypertonia, so they're rigid, uh, and they're febrile with inducible clonus. So those are the things that you're trying to look for uh, because those are, again, depending on uh, which society you're taking your recommendations from uh, are the criteria that they're using. It actually, interestingly enough, usually starts as just simple acesthesias, right? So little patient gets a little buggy, a little feeling weird, kind of like doing the, the hibbity-jibbities. Um, and then they progressively kind of move into this uh, clonus phase, hyperreflexics phase, uh, hyperthermic phase, uh, and it can be a progression over a little while. And so what we talked about, what the cause usually is, is a serotonergic agent. On the test, that's usually going to be an SSRI or someone with depression. 
But in reality, in real life, it can be one of a lot of different things. So SSRIs, uh, trazodone can cause it, Boost Bar can, TCAs, MAOIs, uh, fentanyl has been shown to do it sometimes, tramadol, uh, linazolid, uh, for those who don't know what linazolid is, um, we use it all the time in the burn center here, but it, it can cause it uh, Depakote. Uh, dexamethorphan of all things, right? Tons of people taking uh, dexamethorphan, especially this time of the year with all the flu and cough going around. Uh, St. John's wort and ginseng as well. So there are other causes uh, of serotonergic, uh, sorry, of serotonin syndrome uh, that you probably should be aware of on the test. Uh, most likely it's going to be an SSRI or an MAOI. So how do we treat serotonin syndrome? So the treatment for... Um, Serotonin syndrome is uh, actually the same pretty much as uh, NMS. So supportive therapy, fluids, uh, benzodiazepines. On the test, if they give you ciproheptidine, that is uh, an option. So ciproheptidine is a anti-dopaminergic drug and can be used. Uh, the thing you have to remember is that, or sorry, an anti-serotonin drug <laughs> Uh, the thing you have to remember is this, that uh, ciproheptidine is actually PO only. It doesn't come in an IV format. So if you're going to give it, you have to drop an NG in these patients, which can be difficult because they're already agitated, etc. Um, drop an NG in them, and then the recommendation is you give 12 milligram loading dose initially. Uh, it does come in syrup formula, or sorry, uh, in a liquid form as well. So you can put it down the NG pretty easily, or you can just crush up the tablets. Uh, 12 milligrams loading dose, and then it's 2 milligrams uh, every two hours until they have a response, uh, the clinical response that you, that you desire. This can be very sedating, so you have to be aware of that, uh, and they may, they'll probably end up getting intubated anyway for more airway protections and, and because they're going to get more sedate uh, as they take this medication, so just something to be aware of. And then the last kind of um, hyperthermic altered uh, agitated patient that I want to talk about is uh, the anticholinergic, right? And that's your uh, mad as a hatter, dry as a bone, uh, urinary retention, madriasis, etc. So let's quickly go through um, the different types of patients that will come in with those similar presentations. So hyperthermic, uh, agitated, how do we know what it is? How do we differentiate? So we're going to kind of go through each different thing. So if you have a patient, 34-year-old male coming in, history of schizophrenia, the findings that you should see to differentiate between serotonin syndrome, so let's say he has a history of depression as well as schizophrenia, he will be rigid, right? That's seen in both. He should be diaphoretic. In serotonin syndrome, they will have large pupils, and in NMS, they should have normal pupils. Serotonin syndrome, they also should have increased bowel sounds and increased reflexes. Usually it's seen in the legs more than the upper extremities. And that's the big, um, that's the big one that in a clinical setting, right, that you can use to actually differentiate between the two because it can, be, it can get really muddy. But serotonin syndrome has increased reflexes, whereas neuroleptic malignant syndrome generally speaking, has decreased reflexes, and specifically more so in the lower extremities than in the upper. So that's kind of the clinical pearl there. 
Uh, and then of course with our anticholinergic syndromes, they're gonna be dry, they are gonna have big pupils, you should have decreased bowel sounds, right, and urinary retention, and then they should be normal reflexic. For the malignant hyperthermia, again, this is going to be different because it's a clinical picture that we should know, like, well, they got succinylcholine and then this happened. Okay, that's pretty, you know, that's a pretty good giveaway. But they'll be, reg uh, sorry, they'll be uh, rigid, so increased muscular tone. They should be diaphoretic. They're going to have normal pupils, decreased bowel sounds, and decreased reflexes. So it's a quick uh, run-through of the different types of hyperthermic uh, altered patients that we can see in the emergency department. Hopefully this helps you to kind of tease out which is which. Uh, like I said, it should be easier on in-service and the boards because they'll give you those little clues. Whereas, you know, when someone's dropped off from uh, your local psychiatric center for quote unquote rhabdo rule out and they're hyperthermic and rigid, uh, it can be difficult to know exactly what medications they're talking about. So that's where it's key to have these other tidbits as far as being able to differentiate. The treatment, like we said, is mostly supportive in the vast majority of these cases, uh, and that's what we're the best at, right? So IV access, monitor, O2, make sure their QT is in a bajillion, uh, give them fluids, give them benzos, call your uh, local toxicologist and get their help if that is needed. Um, so hopefully this was helpful. If you have any questions, please let me know. And uh, good luck on in-service training exam. See you, everybody.